Travis Coster represents learning along the way in a string of businesses in Nyack, New York, a town not too far from New York City that resides on the water right over the Tappan Zee Bridge. Travis's three businesses aren't cannibalizing each other either as they each have a somewhat unique demographic of patrons. We'll hear about the local, a basic beer bar in the truest sense, his next endeavor, Two Villains Brewing, and then a sit-down upscale casual gastropub that opened through COVID and has yet to fully discover its full capabilities. But we'll let him tell it. This is On the Record with Travis Coster. I started getting the ideas to do my own space and they weren't really coming together very well. So I, I was doing real estate at the same time. And one day I had a closing um, with who is now one of my business partners. And we're sitting down to lunch and somebody called me and was like, oh, this bar is for sale. And that's kind of the end. We're just like, fuck it, let's do it. Let's go. And... The owner at the time wouldn't talk to us. She's like, no, I don't really care. And she like bounced. I just happened to know the landlord and he's like, yeah, space is yours. And that was how the local was born. Did you have any type of culinary background or? No, I'll, I'm fat. I like to cook, you know, <laughs> I smoke pot. That's good enough. So shit gets weird. You got the motivation <laughs> to make good food. Yeah, I get it. Before the local happened though you decided that you had enough experience in this business to kind of say what's so hard about putting together a concept yeah and maybe let's keep the concept easy enough where i'm going to succeed doing it yeah exactly so i was working i worked for four years at a bar called bourbon street which is now where two villains is i was in that time being there i started running there their beer program, we started doing a lot more craft beer and a rotating craft beer. And then I started working at a place in Valley Cottage called Pie Man, also doing the exact same thing. And I got tired. Honestly, you get tired of going places you don't want to be and you want to build a space out that you want to hang out in. I wanted something comfortable. I wanted to have nice whiskey. I wanted to have good beer. And, you know, so it's got a nice local divey feel to it but then you can still get high-end products that you don't really expect to see in a space like that usually. It's funny to say that you want to build out a place that you would want to hang out in. And like, not everybody has the same ability to have taste, right? Like yeah. Some people envision putting something together, though, that is just not something the majority of the world wants to hang out in. But like, yeah, it's cool for them. Yeah. So you know, going into putting what you did together at, at the local... You did create that atmosphere of kind of, it's not divey, but it's not, it's not pretentious by any means. You go in, you get a couple beers, you draw on a chalkboard behind yeah. the bar if you're feeling artsy. It and you got some games to play <laughs> yeah. also over there. Well, the games are kind of gone away. COVID has really snuffed out playing board games there. No more Connect Four with friends, you know. But uh, that the chalkboards actually blew me away that what people were doing and then not them not even remembering that they were drawing on them. They I would get pictures and then I would send them back to them the next day and they're just like, I don't remember doing that. It'd be like this insane detailed giraffe. Like there's this one guy that comes in, he does all these comic book characters and they get their it's and he's just like, I just want to get drunk and draw. And I'm like, All right, that's fun. That's awesome. Furthermore, it feels like that leads to a marketing opportunity too, where that could be like the Facebook post or the you know, Instagram nope. post of the morning where it's like Drafts from last night. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the drink and draw program is pretty popular, actually. There's mm -hmm. a couple of those art studios in yeah. the, on our Ave, and yeah, they run. Paper. They run, yeah, they run uh, weekly drink and draws, and they just like go to a bar, draw something, and then they go to another bar, and then they draw something. 
Oh, that's fun, actually. Yeah. You could do like a a drink and draw, like pub crawl. Yeah, yeah, that's that's basically yeah, that drink, whole idea. Draw <laughs> drink draw and crawl. Drink draw and crawl. Maybe on to something. In the days yeah. of starting your bar career and being in the industry, like what were just maybe some of those values that you took in from dealing early on, and some of the things you really learned that ultimately propelled you into opening up the local. Well, in my opinion, like the most important part about doing all of this this it's not the ordering the beer it's not it's the atmosphere and how the customer feels like the customer experience is the most important part of it altogether and if you put i feel like if you put that ahead of even the money aspect of it the money will come with it and that's something i learned early on i'm really good at pissing people off and i've gotten really well i've gotten really good at apologizing over the years yeah because you need to make their your bread and butter and then become your family. Like when you have a small place like the local, like where we have pretty much a 70% of our clientele is there three, four times a week. You know, it's not a big touristy spot. It turns into, well, when we get the nights back, it gets fun at night, but like it's, it's a very local bar. Do you think over the years, uh, and we're sitting right now in the town of Nyack, uh, which is across the Tavern Z Bridge. Don't dare correct me, Nooms. <laughs> I was going to say a word. Yeah, it's the bridge has been renamed, but it's been the Tappan Zee Bridge forever. And the town Nyack, from what I remember in youth, was like, this was a party town. It was a lot of people coming to it from, you know, Westchester side mm-hmm. as a destination place where they would set up shop and the streets would just be raging. And over the years, has that kind of drifted off a little bit to yes. where we're not seeing the same type of parties? Yes, you have. They... The town decided they had, the town, the community had decided they had enough of the the raging college party scene. The the store owners were getting upset about the, the amount of uh, puke they were cleaning up in the mornings. <laughs> it was just a mess out there. Cops were getting a little upset. So they've dulled it down a little bit. They were trying to clean it up. And there was a couple of those, there was a couple of bars that made mistakes that where they didn't really have a turnaround on it. It was like irreparable damage they did to that kind of scene here. It's you still have the party scene here. You still have people that are coming and raging, but it's not the line around the corner on a Wednesday night for dollar beers. What's the demographic that you say you see here a lot coming through the town nowadays? There, I don't want. I don't. Dare I want to use the word cultured, but they think they are. <laughs> um, they, it's just a little bit older, a little bit more mature. It's a lot less of the 18, 19 year olds getting in with fake IDs. I think we finally hit a point where most people are allowed to walk into a place and get drunk. I think there's added benefits, though, to being able to serve the, the older end where, you know, my dad was definitely out here with a fake ID. Uh, parking and running down the streets, and I probably had some of that throw up in front of one of those neighboring yeah. spots. Oh, I've done it. Right? Like, <laughs> it so, happens. So Not it in my own bar. I've, ne- I've never vomited outside. No? Uh, oh, you've never partied, I'm, sir. I'm lying. Inside, inside, inside only. <laughs> it's just a straight lie. It's always, so, he gets in his car first. <laughs> with that, though, too, though, now you're talking about the way the scene and the crowd is starting to change out here. They're getting smarter. They're getting a little older. That means mm-hmm. they have more money. Exactly. And with that said, you don't necessarily have to do the $4 get you in the door, $3 get you in the door, mixed drinks on a Friday, Saturday night. There's people out here. They're willing to spend money. They're willing to drive up a tab. Like, what's the average tab that you see come in here? 
I mean, they've definitely raised because now we're able to target quality over quantity. Um, I probably have average tab at local. We're probably doing 65, 70 just on drinking. And like, you know, when it would be those college nights when people are just coming out to get the quantity end of it. It's like, oh, they spent $25. Your bartenders got tipped $3. And that's the big difference. The tipping becomes a huge difference too. You know, because now your employees are more happy. They don't have to deal with as much shit and they're getting more money for it, which is huge. There's definitely a time behind the Black Bear Bar where we did post, like, things kind of wink-winking to, like, leave a tip. Because, yeah, Man. you're dealing with the college crowd. And sure, that's very frowned upon. And <laughs> at the end of the day, like, we wound up looking at money and we were like, wow, the sales actually kind of matched the tips today. Like, which was odd for that to ever happen. When you're dealing with kids, you're watching the kids grow up from being young with a fake ID mm-hmm. into then being legitly older where they understand life a little bit better and they have stories. And then they're sitting in regular type restaurants to the point where they're actually having $125 bills, $130 bills. So you're like yeah. growing with these guys. Yeah. I mean, listen, I was definitely one of those little asshole kids running around, getting drunk. I didn't really understand tipping when I was younger. I was like, oh, you don't understand that like, it's a service and you kind of get what you pay for. And if you tip or you pay for your service correctly, you'll get taken care of better. But if you're leaving like, oh, here's a dollar on 40 bucks. And then you wonder like, why does it take them 25 minutes to get to me? I just want a beer. Yeah. You know? You get away with a lot of things in the party type bars that you don't necessarily get away with in many other bars. Exactly. Like, all of a sudden, the price of Jack and Cokes went up four more dollars just to hit you over the head on the fact that, yeah, mm-hmm. the kid didn't leave a tip for the last six times he came in here. All of a yeah. sudden, the prices went up for you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> and there's an eyebrow raise, but these are things that you would get away with then. Mm-hmm. And I know the, the local, though, it, it is a bar. At the end of the day, it's a bar. Yes. You can get away with a lot of different things in actual bars that you can't really get away with in restaurants. And exactly. I think that you're learning that a lot too, considering, yes, the local is its own driving machine, right? It's a well oiled mm-hmm. gear. You don't have to really do too much there to keep it running because you've been doing it for so long. Yeah. In 2014, that thing was put together. Yeah, we opened March. We're just over six years now. So we opened up, we finally opened up March 15th. It would have been earlier. But she didn't want to surrender her license. There's so. a there's a lot of images through your social media. You just hauling kegs and a lot mm-hmm. of beers in the back. Yeah, would, poor the car. Reps don't bring <laughs> these things to you anymore. I mean, some of them do, but uh, during some of these smaller breweries are on self distro. I also like going down there. A big part of this is networking. is is one of the bigger parts of it. Like you go down there, you meet the owners, you become friends with all of them. So then. In turn, you're getting taken care of a little bit better. You're getting the better product. You're taking care of them. They don't have to schlep up here. Some of them, you know, we've built... 2020, there was a huge shortage of kegs and drive. So we had to drive down to the city, drive up to... I went all the way up to Buffalo. Came down through Rochester, Syracuse, you know, hauling kegs. Like, there's an, there's one picture on here where my car was... Packed to the brim to the point that I had a sixtal sitting in my center console, <laughs> like just riding shotgun with us. It was you essentially had to hit the way station. Yeah, I probably should have. I, <laughs> like, I, my, my Jeep was basically sitting on the ground that day. These are like these are the things we talk about a lot of times that when you actually care 
about your business, you actually have some heart in your business, you'll do all these extra excessive things that others wouldn't dare do. No. If you hired a manager at essentially no pay, whatever the minimum, minimum you could get them on to was, which is a lot of business styles. Yes. That manager is not doing any of that extra stuff. They could no. care less. They're going to show up. They're just going to get everybody situated. They're not going to do the extra. But you're still hands-on here. You're here pretty much every day in the yeah. vicinity of one of these spaces. Yeah, I'm still doing 80 to 100-hour weeks every every week. Just you hitting that? Like, yeah, no, that doesn't stop. <laughs> no, that's just a thing. Do you ever hear anybody say, oh, yeah, it runs itself? They're They're yeah. lying. Well, hey, by run itself, I don't mean it. no. it's just doing it, and he could die tomorrow, and like it's you know it's gonna keep going on. No, it'll last another two months. <laughs> Although I was just out, I was just out for two weeks, and it seemed to sustain pretty well. So, yeah, you know, I go, out. I go on vacation, have a panic attack pretty oh. much immediately. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> I find a couple of days when I go before, whenever I go on vacation, there's like the three days leading up is like the busiest three days of my life. Yeah. I'm like, all right, let me make just... sure. All this is done. This is done. You're leaving whatever. lists and instructions yeah. <laughs> for them. It's like, if this happens, please don't call me. But call me. <laughs> call me. <laughs> when you opened up the local and, you know, being on the front of distributing drinks to customers at the bar, it's a lot different than actually setting up the bar yourself and having to go through all these legalities and understand what a lot of the paperwork side of things are or what fulfills, you know, the SLA requirements or whatever it is. Like, there's a lot of hurdles to cross, especially when you do it for the first time, yeah. maybe even the second time. And, like, at that point, what do you, who do you reach out to when you have all these questions? And I mean, I was lucky in that sense that my business partner also already owned a restaurant. So a lot of these hurdles he had already crossed, so he helped me with that a lot. Um, if I didn't have him, I don't know what, what the hell I would have done, to be honest. I would have probably had a breakdown broke some shit and then finally my head would have cleared up and i'm like okay let's uh let's figure this out but like when it comes to the sla like the first time's definitely the worst because then you get your fingerprinting and all that stuff that was the longest which it makes it so much easier the second third time you know i didn't realize like you know we almost the first renewal for our sla license the two years out we almost lapsed because i was like oh you know i'll get to it i'll get to it and then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, shit, I almost forgot this. This is, I need this. I don't operate without this. Right, right. That sounds yeah. like Mike with his uh, health department certification every year. <laughs> yeah, come up, yeah, a couple, 30 days out, and you're like, yeah. ah, shh. Well, it's, it's hard, though. I mean, you have calendar reminders going off on your phone when things are about to expire, and they have to be renewed, or? You know, those SLA renewals are actually a lot easier than they look, too. Uh, we used to, you know, you have your SLA lawyer or whatever, and you could send it out to them, but. It's actually pretty easy to save my save myself like two yeah. grand learning how to do it. Yeah. So it's just filling out forms you're saying. Yeah, it's but it lo- you know, it looks it looks more complicated than when you really read it. It's just Yeah, you, you know, look at, it's a little like you look at it as like it seems a lot more daunting than it's actually gonna be. Right. And then you kinda get the the second, third time. I mean the second the second and third time I'm pretty sure we got attorneys. For the brewery we got attorneys to just do it so we don't want to deal with it. So you then in needing to satisfy different laws through the SLA, food. How do you satisfy food? Um, How thought out was this before you got to the point where I, you were going to open? I didn't realize that I was going to need food. <laughs> I was going to do chips. I was like, oh, fuck it. Brooklyn does it. It's fine. Whatever. Yeah. But Brooklyn then, does it. It's cool. <laughs> but then I also I wanted to offer a little bit more. I, I originally wanted to take a little bit more space and do a small kitchen. 
because I love hot dogs. I want to do a little hot dog kitchen and everything, but that didn't work out. So now we're like, we can still do the hot dogs. We built up a small little electric situation behind the bar. Um, and now the bartenders can serve the food. What we didn't expect is like how busy we ended up getting at night and doing the specialty hot dogs where, you know, oh, that's a chili and pineapple and cheese and jalapenos on this. And the amount of time that it takes away from them being able to interact with the customers. It's like, and on top of their backs are facing the customers, which is honestly not the best thing on the planet. I mean, this is a good problem to have because yes. if you didn't have that problem, the place wouldn't be busy enough. No. Right? And you see this a lot in these dive bars, too, where it's like maybe there is a hot dog thing, maybe there's a popcorn thing. And what you just said, it takes a lot of time away from mm-hmm. actually doing the job. In fact, you're not nurturing those conversations that you should be, mm-hmm. which is going to drive more sales and traffic in. So you hired or pronounced somebody the hot dog chef? That was me. I just, <laughs> it was just me. It was, it was just me getting weird with hot dogs and the names of them, and it was just... I mean, you've got the Pineapple Express, the I Dream of Weenie, the Wet Hot American Wiener, the Christopher <laughs> Walking the Dog, the Drop It Like It's Hot Dog, and even the Raw Dog, yeah. which I'm assuming is just the hot dog. Just hot dog. That's maybe amazing. a bun. We've, we've had to remove a little bit for, uh, we had to remove one of them for PC matters and things like that. Um, I was going to say that they're all a bit on on the border, right? So yeah. I don't even want to know what you've removed. <laughs> that That's what makes it fun. It stays fun like that. So you're prepping all the area pretty much for these hot dogs. So you've got probably squirt bottles for, you know, whatever. Yeah, we have top. a cooler right underneath. Okay. With, you know, with, right underneath there we have, a, we have a cooler that has all the toppings and everything. We keep the hot dogs in it. And it's it's gone over various different stages. Like originally... We were doing dirty water dogs, and I tried to make them in beer, and they just turned a weird color. It did work out. That worked for like a week, and then I was like, "All right, that's gotta go." Then we were, then I was like, "I wanted natural casing because I like to snap, and yep. you can't, you can't." Horse head all day. Yeah. Well, I got sabrettes, but well, I'm on the other side of that. Yeah. I, I hate you don't like the snap. I hate the snap. I love the snap. I can't. Do it. it freaks me out. You, <laughs> you get it's fun fact. You actually get a dollar seventy five higher for the snap. Yeah, it is. Think, right. Yeah. Not for me, don't. <laughs> Audible eats. You so, know? <laughs> so, all right, you try, you try some things. We wind up here. And uh, what's the price of a hot dog? Six bucks? No, not even. I don't think any of them even hit six bucks. I think it's, I mean, this is pretty jazzed up to not hit six uh, bucks. Like, I, uh, define, I said it should be 625 yeah. in my head. Uh, I think the raw dog is 250 Nice. Okay. That makes sense. Um, yeah. The raw dog's 250 and then they go up from there, like depending what's on. I think that... I think that Five dollars doesn't even get hit. I think we're at four seventy five mm-hmm. for like the Christopher Walken and that Pineapple Express. I mean that's like okay, so you know, that's cool to say, all right, let's go have some drinks. We get a cheap hot dog, we're not gonna get hit over the head for food. Yeah. Because especially now with COVID too, where everyone has to pretty much get food. Yeah. And it's what's the stipulations? Can a side of fries work? Apparently no, a side of fries can't work. No. Can five wings work? Kind of, but it's still borderline <laughs> questionable. And you don't, if you don't say Cuomo wings, it usually works. Yeah, yeah then, there you uh, go. <laughs> that pissed a lot of people off. In or the, one person. You know what's nice about doing the one thing, though, is it simplifies the elevator pitch, mm-hmm. which what, became important, right? Like, what do you mean the one thing? When you're just doing one thing, right? Like, so if you have a, if you have a full menu, mm. it, unless it's like a very specific, like you could say Italian cuisine or whatever, but, mm. you know, we saw we're getting away from... Uh, genre specific menus and more people are doing like a whole bunch of stuff Fusions. 
and what people want to do with the short attention span is be able to have the quick elevator pitch, right? Like, what, oh, what's that please do? And you dogs. could just be like, beers and hot dogs. Yeah. Yes. Right? You don't have to say, oh, they got like, you know, pasta, this, that, yeah. and it gets harder <laughs> to do. So, you know, it's like almost ahead of being able to just describe what you do real fast to somebody because no one pays attention anymore. Yeah. No. They, and they don't want to. They also want you to tell them what to get. They're yeah. Like, what do you like? I less like this. Choices. Well, I don't want that. No, you're going to get that. Right. Less, <laughs> le- less choices means more sales. Yeah. A lot of places struggle to turn their logo into an icon, and you were kind of fortunate out the gate in having that kind of land in your lap almost. Yeah. Right? Yes, that was uh, – that actually – I mean, I liked drafts before, but it wasn't like <laughs> a lifetime thing of mine where I'm like, oh, I love drafts since I was a child. Uh, it, what had happened was the Toys R Us thing. Yeah, <laughs> oh, so sad. My uh, one of my best friend, well, my best friend, his girlfriend at the time was drawing out the chalkboards behind the bar, and she's like, "What do you want in here?" And I was like, "I don't know. I probably was watching Animal Planet that week." And I was like, "Fuck it, put a giraffe hashtag giraffes. It's chalk. We can change it next week." And then we're sitting there, we're stoned. We're looking at the draft list and everything. We're opening in probably about a week at that point. And he just looks at the thing. He's like, oh, fuck. Giraffe sounds like draft beer. And I was like, oh, shit. Half off giraffes for happy hour. And we put it on the thing. And it just exploded. And I was like, all right. Well, giraffes is our thing. And that's. And you don't have to put even the local underneath it because nope. now everyone knows yeah. that the giraffe and the local go hand in hand together. Yeah. We sell a ton of merch. Oh, I, I believe like, it. I'm, I'm, we're sitting here right now, and all I see is a handful of different shirts running around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no. <laughs> we're not even we're not even in the local, really, right? Uh, which brings us to an, another thing. Now that you got the gears going with the local, we move into saying, "Well, we love beer. We've got a lot of beer here. Why don't we just make the beer?" Is that just how the flow chart happened? Kind of. So I. Yeah, I was down in Florida for a beer festival. I like to go to a bunch of these things, good networking events, and we came back. We were down. Um, me and a couple of buddies were at Brick City in Jersey, and they were pitching around. They was like, oh, you know, because our brewers came from Brick City. So we ended up talking, and then by the end of that, it was like, oh, let's try this out and see what's going on. I knew the space was up for sale, and so I brought those two pieces of it together, and then it just snowballed. I mean, we had our hiccups. Um, I mean, knowing things that need to be done to just set up a brewery outside of the financial end of it was a hurdle in itself. Probably one of the biggest hurdles I've dealt with. I mean, in knowing this or learning what you need. Just learning all of the little, like the amount of work it takes to take a traditional bar and restaurant. To, and turn it into a production facility for the most part. And the amount of like, geez, the amount of drainage that we needed was insane. It was just, breweries are wet. They're really this, wet. This, <laughs> I assume this was a costly change that yes. had to be made. It, the, the space needed work. Um, they operated. Plumbing's not cheap. No, it's not. They <laughs> operated as a college bar for 20 years. You know, uh, New Orleans style place. I worked there for four Four years? I think so. I was uh, gracefully let go after I decided to strike a customer. <laughs> you're, you're supposed to quit first, then strike the customer. You know, so... Shit happens sometimes. It does. Um, so the idea, though, behind two villains, then, was... 
where did that come from? It was the the name and everything. That was the Brewers. The branding, all the branding is the Brewers. Um, I liked it because it's marketable. I like things that are marketable. We had a couple other other names. Like our corp- our corporation name is still um, what was it? Enter Enter County or Enter something. Inner Circle, Inner Circle Beer Works. And we're just sitting there one day and we're like, this isn't going to work. I'm like, what about two villains? And I was like, honestly, I like it. And then we started pushing towards a comic book theme. They're really into MF Doom, so there's a lot of things that are themed in that direction. They focus on the beer. I wanted to focus on the food. I want, I, I am a firm believer, if you can make your house run off the food alone, everything else is just extra for you. And it's hard to make the house float on food alone. You know. we've, we've learned that for the last year. Yeah, sure. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's, I what mean. What kind of items were you putting together or focusing on for the culinary aspect of Two Villains? We went into a kind of a southern creative comfort food, like with like a southern spin on it. So we did. For example. Um, we were originally going to do fried chicken. It didn't work. We didn't have the fire space for it. And it's like just destroyed it we have our, like one of our lobster rolls we have two lobster rolls we have a main style and then we have a New Orleans style it's like Cajun butter sauce two on it two lobster rolls meaning there's like two different lobster two, rolls yeah, or you sell them called two lobster no. rolls <laughs> and you get two lobster rolls oh I see what you did there um, <laughs> you did it we have like more of a New England style where it's more of your mayo based and it's cold and then we have a hot one that's like a hot uh, Cajun butter sauce on it our fried chicken sandwich is more of like a a K, like a dry rub Cajun chicken version of the Big Mac. Uh, just Do you go white meat or dark meat? What's up? White meat or dark meat for your well, chicken sandwich? We went white meat because it's the breast is just easier to deal with, yeah. and we can use them in other things. I'm a dark meat guy though. For sure. I'm in all chicken thighs is the best cut of meat on the yes. Yes. yes, thighs all day. Thighs all day. It's where all the flavor is. Yes, you know. So you get you get the place open after figuring out the hurdles. You've decided that we're going to uh, make some type of food forward menu here. That way, when people are hanging out, how big is the space as far as you know the environment where people could actually sit, taste some of the beers? Uh, the brewery, the brewery and the kitchen take up half the space altogether. So Which you is pro- crazy, right? Yeah, you, we probably have fifteen hundred square feet of maybe probably from where we're sitting forward. Yeah, so I would say maybe about 1,500 square feet, 12 to 1,500 square feet where people can actually sit. And we decided to, which it really fucked us up during COVID. Um, We wanted communal tables. I've always loved the idea of making people sit next to each other, meeting new people, let your phone die, talk to somebody. Like, so we had these long communal tables and then we're just like, fuck, we can't split these up now. Um, thank God one of our partners is in construction, so he very quickly whipped up you know, partitions and things that we could latch onto the tables before they were mass selling them everywhere, which helped us a lot. But that was... I feel like when you're forming partnerships, you've kind of got to be like GM of the Yankees here, putting everybody together. Like, ah, oh, we got a construction guy. Yeah, you're trying to build the you most useful team possible. Well, there's yeah, there's definitely no useless partner. Yeah. Right? Or you shouldn't have or a useless partner. You shouldn't have a useless partner. <laughs> Correct. So, all right. So there's some, There are them, though. <laughs> there was some straight, so you got some strong suits over there to help out getting the construction going, getting this place put together. And then again, you get hit in the face with the COVID happening mm-hmm. and everything having to in- initially shut down. 
essentially, and you said, oh, shit, like, we just got this thing going. Six months deep. We only had the food going for about a month because we had hiccups with our hood and that we we had to open anyway, so we didn't get the food going until four months after, three months after being open. Then we had that open for a month, and then Tom Hanks gets COVID and everybody has to shut down. <laughs> so... With, then, with that said... Out there in Australia. <laughs> yeah, with that said, though, then, at that point, you started seeing a lot of breweries just starting to kind of sell out the front door. Like, mm-hmm. here, get your cans, get your cans, get your cans. Yep. And I'm sure they was similar, and you did the same thing. Yes. One of our partners is still kind of kicking us all in the ass, because he was like, let's get a candy line. This was before COVID happened. We're like, ah, we can wait, we can wait, we can wait. And then COVID happened. And then... We tried to ride it out a little bit in the beginning. Um, we were actually selling groceries out of the front. We were selling supplies like gloves and masks, et cetera. Nice. Um, just trying to get something and also trying to help the community a little bit. Yeah. I never got my shopping cart. I wanted to like deliver groceries <laughs> in a shopping cart. But, um, <laughs> but then eventually we were just like, all right, this isn't, we, there's no end in sight. And this was probably early summer and that's when they're like, let's start canning. And everything started going to cans. It would do a little bit of kegs here and there just to send out to the few guys that wanted it because you still need to, I still am a firm believer, you need the store spaces. Like the people, it, it's a, a, a great avenue for people to find your beer. And you want it in the right places too. You want it going to these higher end craft beer bars where people go, those type of people travel for beer. Not, every, not everybody's going to travel for beer. You know how many spaces about you're in offhand? Um, we're probably... Obviously it's harder right now with yeah, everything happening. But. There's not a lot of kegs going out, but there's probably about 10 to 15 accounts throughout okay. the state that bad. we do cool. deal with. Between the city, a little bit in Long Island, Westchester, upstate. Yeah. Sounds... You do, uh, it, you do it yourself or did you... Yeah. We do... Yeah, we're all self-distro, which is always fun when you're like, <laughs> oh, you're like, oh, can I get a keg in Albany? I'm like... Yeah, I guess so. I guess I'll pick up some beer. We'll 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 coincide because like that was yeah. What's on Craigslist that I can buy in yeah. Albany right now that'll help me at the restaurant? Well, like with the local, what we ended up doing because of like the shortage of kegs and everything, we started. It was me and a couple other bars in the state. We just started to link together and start doing collabs with breweries, and would buy out those entire batches, and we would sell those and do big can drops. And on top of that, we just ended up building this huge network. We're like. There are some breweries that don't go down here, but they'll they'll stop in Albany and they'll drop off on Albany. So then we can start going up there and get that. Very it just cool. spidered the whole state together for us, which was a beautiful thing. Awesome. The thing about beer nerds too is that they'll go everywhere to find a beer. Like, yes, they fucking will. And, and, yeah. and when they find something that they haven't heard of before, they're they itching their back. neck. Yeah, they're yeah. itching their neck. They're going ape shit for these yeah. beers. So it's it's cool to see. Something as small as the brewery that's just been created, mm-hmm. and it's going to have a lot of growth over the forward time. Actually, I'm true. sure. I'm not, yes. I'm not even a beer nerd, and I do that. What? Like Get I excited? Would, no, I wouldn't consider myself a beer nerd, but I do. You'll seek out good beer. Yeah, like now when we were just talking, when I go to my dad's in Maine, I also make sure we drive past Treehouse. Oh, yep. Yeah. On yeah, the way. See, there you go. Yeah. So, I'm like oh, my yeah. wife's like, why are we going this way? I'm like, oh, we gotta. It's funny too because <laughs> I I caught a interview that you did years back too where you referenced craft beer like being a bubble and although i agree 
it's a bubble. There's just no burst anywhere in sight. No, it did. It did burst. It. it I wouldn't say it burst in the sense of like the 2008 financial collapse. Correct. Right. But there is a saturation point, and we are in that. And especially where we are located, we're right outside of New York City. Everybody wants their shit in New York City. So then we get the trickle down from all the stuff coming into the city. So we have a lot of brands. When you, if you go out to Montana, or I grew, I grew up in Virginia. So if I go home, I can't find shit there. There's nothing there. You have big breweries, and then a, you, little patches of like you go down to Asheville, North Carolina, and things like that. Some of that moves up to where I'm at, but you're not getting the same. And the craft beer, <clears throat> uh, the craft beer market itself is twenty nine point three billion dollars. Yeah, it's insane. And That's a lot of money. I mean, if you go back a couple of years, it's it's honestly it's slowed down a little bit. But mm-hmm. even like I'd say like five years ago, you go every week and a distributor would walk in with. Yep. Yeah, some guy with his new brewery with his little yeah. story. That's like the uh, the voodoo donut era. Yeah, yeah, but I mean that's that's a real brewery. Well, yeah, no, I, that, like, I mean around that time, I just remember yeah. we were tasting beers a, all the time. Yeah, every week there's you know oh, here's this guy he's got this brewery here this is his story and it would be up for like you know it was like everybody had a brewery. Yeah. <clears throat> well, the story the story itself sells every business. So when I said so when I said the story. bubble when I said the bubble burst and like completely well, collapsed, yeah, but it yeah, definitely yeah. it definitely folded it on itself yeah. a little bit. You had. Big breweries, like so, you had this big boom and this massive expansion a, for demand. There was a lot of crappy beer out too. <laughs> there still is. Yeah. Um, and then you had these big breweries, breweries that paved the way for the entire market. To be honest, you have Sierra Nevada, Stone, Deschutes, Ballast Point, all these big guys that started getting these massive buyouts. Goose Island, Lagunitas, Ballast Point, which is now I think on their third or fourth sale. Um, and people opening up extra breweries like New Belgium, Stone, all of them. Uh, Green Flash did the same thing, and I'm not even sure if Green Flash is still a brewery. Like they started collapsing because they expanded for the demand, and then the demand started to wilter. And it's you have all these small guys that are coming in and just beating the market to pieces. Like well, we just talked to Sloop recently on another episode, and uh, they guys. were saying that essentially Smutty Nose started doing a lot of their production. Yeah. Think yeah. about how big mm-hmm. Smutty Nose was years mm-hmm. back where everyone, you, you couldn't get enough of it, right? Like, yeah. So you're nailing the head right there with that. So, I mean, the branding of Two Villains is awesome. It's very comic book-like. The thick, bold font really mm-hmm. draws your attention. There's a lot of opportunity, I think, for marketing there and really creating that theme mm-hmm. throughout the entire <clears> business. <throat> and, I mean, you know it. You have a keen eye for things and you it's it shows through where we're sitting. We're actually sitting right now, though, in the Henry. Yeah. Where did this come from? You were just like, I'm doing two things already. Let's do a third. I wanted uh, we wanted it. I wanted something a little more food for it, a little different. Like we were watching the collapse of the town because, like you know, you had some of these bigger bars going out. Um, and you, and you had COVID come in and just really just destroy what was kind of hanging on by a thread already this really came out of uh me and my partner's love for the town we don't want to see the town go. we're tired of seeing empty storefronts we have the means and the opportunity to be able to grab it and like hopefully make it into something that lasts a long time like we always do when you open something you don't want it to close the next day so like it was i mean i have my three partners i mean my two partners so it's three of us my partner from the local, um, and he does most of the back-end stuff in the construction. Like, these are his guys right here working around you now. And then my other partner, Tyrone, 
who also owns Morris Kitchen down the block, which is a great Peruvian restaurant. It's been around for 10, 11 years now. So he is primarily the food. I'm probably the bar. And then this is, we're going to, when they let us open at night, we'll be another nightlife spot. Well, hopefully. Yin Yang Harmony. Yeah. Having somebody if be they, able to. If they ever let us open at night. Everybody. Yeah. You know, well, you have a lot of places taking advantage of it anyways. Yeah. Nyack's just not the type of town that's going to allow that to happen. Well, not after things no. that have occurred out here in general with the party no. scene. Well, th- what was the Henry before? It was uh, Karma. Okay, it was Karma. Mm-hmm. And there's a story with Karma. Of, I think I remember something of a gentleman was working in the bar <clears> next door, <throat> and he got fired or something, and he said, oh, yeah, cool, I'm going to open up a place. Yeah. So he opened up the place directly next door to where he got fired and called it Karma. Awesome. Is that the story? Yeah. <laughs> that is mm-hmm. nail in the head. Yep. Uh, so how much did you actually have to change when you came in here and took we, it over? We changed a lot. It was it was set up to be like a club atmosphere. Everything was dark. The ceiling was black. The floor was black. The walls were like dark maroon. They had these ridiculous ice rails on the bar that do nothing really but waste <laughs> electricity. Um, I love that. I love the ice rails. Well, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> it's like leaving a freezer open all day long. Yeah. And it does like, this is about as much as it probably cools down if you're beer. But it's, it was a, but like we left the booths and the general setup. We did new bar tops. Like there was a booth here. There was all the tables were permanent tables because they had ice rails in them. So we had to rip all of those out. We redid the brand new floor. Upstairs was like a lounge VIP area. We actually, those windows were there. They had them covered up with mirrors. They had these, um, like, booth, like, pleather booth seats up there that had to go. I don't want to know what went on in those. It's <laughs> yeah. a lot of mirrors up there, so. <laughs> it's a private upstairs area. Yeah. yeah. Could have a little, little hookah, <laughs> probably. You know, we wanted it to have more of, like, natural light, so we opened that up with all that, the exposed brick. A lot of the brick was covered. We wanted it to be brighter. So describe like describe the Henry to me in a few words. If somebody was like, "What's the Henry?" What kind of what kind of place is it? Uh, it's a elevated. I guess it would be like elevated gastropub kind of feel to it, like American gastropub food. Like as we were talking about earlier, we don't have like a definitive line drive. Like we, you know, he does Peruvian food. I do hot dogs up there. Like we kind of do a little bit of everything. We want to pull from all aspects. Because every I think that every culture and every little piece thing has good food. And I like to blend things together. I like to, to be honest, I like to smoke pot and create food. But where we're like, where we're headed, I feel like in restaurants anyway, is that we're not really defining ourselves by what we cook. And we are actually becoming a real melting pot in the sense of just fusing everything together. Cool. You like tacos? I like tacos. Do you also like lasagna? I also (laughs) like lasagna. Lasagna tacos. Yeah, let's just put this on a menu here. Like, I feel like it's easier to meet expectations when you don't lock yourself into a box, you know? It is. I also think it, it also goes to show, like, just where, like, society, like, American culture is very, like, well, we don't want to upset anybody. We want everybody. I don't necessarily need a Cheesecake Factory menu, which is, like, a fucking Nobody Bible. Yeah. <laughs> like, but we want to have a little bit of everything. Here, we're definitely focused a little bit more on shareables and handhelds. As you can see, we have 18, 19 TVs in here, so it's very sports forward in that sense. So you have a lot of people, media, like wanting to share food. We're working on some platters now because, like, now we're they're expanding. 
Well, they're lessening on restrictions, so we'll be able to have more people, more people congregating, so we want them to have. So people are really coming in here to be able to watch some of the sports, but also feel like they're in a, uh, I I guess, less divey environment than most sports bars that they would walk into, I would think. Yes. um, A lot of sports bars I end up in are either divey or... They they have like the lighting of like Dave and Buster's where it's like neon lights everywhere. Yeah. Everything's blue or pink. It does, <laughs> I don't really get it. And then it turns into a college bar at night, probably. Yeah. You know, well, you which I can't say out. this won't at night. We don't. We haven't even found our nightlife niche yeah. yet. You know. So take me to the front, right? This is the photo that's everyone Instagramming. You walk in here, right to your left. You got the neon sign. Mm. Talking about neon, right? Yeah. Uh, ironically <laughs> enough, what's the sign say? Make good choices. And then there's like all the greenery in the back and it's like yeah. a brick wall and all the girls are just like lining up, taking photos of it. It's all over Instagram. It's yeah. a good idea. Our company motto is use good judgment. Yeah. It's on our yeah. training packet. Nice. That's what we tell the staff. Yeah. Like what are the rules? We say just use good judgment. And I pretty much answer every question that way. <laughs> which really annoys everybody. <laughs> they're like so. And I'm just like, don't be an idiot. You know? Uh, it's so, good life advice. Well, I'm, I'm sure this though went in knowing that we live in the time where Instagram is everything and everyone's taking photos and that was the f- opportunity zone that was the fuel behind it let your space we're like right now I was saying earlier we're getting ready to do a, a mural and everything I want the space to do a little bit of the marketing for us because it takes a little bit of weight off because there's a lot to compete with they make good choices because I, I mean I've always been telling people that they walk out of the box like make good choices or make good stories you know one or the, one other, or the other you know uh, Justin actually does that at Smokehouse uh, not make good choices. I'm leaning towards the market. Well, you make, good, make choices. good choices. No, you make yeah, good no. choices. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, he actually stamps every single tray of barbecue that goes out with the smokehouse stamp. So then when people are taking photos with their social media, they're taking a picture of their food. Coincidentally enough, the stamp is right there, and it's always in the photo, at least if you're getting all the food. So yeah, that's not incredibly innovative. A lot of barbecue places do that. You'd be surprised, like how important it is, though, and people don't realize like how easy branding that is because mm-hmm. you're turning the people that are coming in to eat at your place or to have drinks at your place into walking advertisements yeah. because they're gonna post that. Friends are gonna yeah. see it and they're gonna say, "Sh, I've seen that logo. Where is that?" Or this fucking giraffe. Where is that giraffe? <laughs> you know, I need to figure it out. Follow the hubs. <laughs> so, yeah, you do want to be able to, I think, create almost a fan base or a walking audience that other people can see and that transcends That's... upon. Now, with this menu where you said you're not really locked into anything, how does that affect the way the cocktail program happens in here then? Uh... It's more the food that I guess it would fit. The cocktail program, we kind of, we're not really matching it with the food right now because we're still trying to find that groove, seeing what people like. Um, there was a few cocktails I had in the back end that I threw out there. Some of them you've seen in other places. Some of them, like, we're not re- you're not reinventing the wheel anymore. Like, there's, Correct. with the internet, everything's everywhere. I think our biggest splash in the cocktail community so far has been our espresso martini because it's not vodka-based. Everyone you see is vanilla vodka or that you're then go double espresso. We actually have a rum-based one. Uh, we crack and released a black roast coffee rum that basically tastes like espresso. We did a little bit of blue chair coconut cream rum and espresso. And that coconut, you don't taste any coconut, but the way that that coconut bounces off the, the roastiness, it's just straight roast and dark chocolate. I absolutely hate the substitute of using Van Gogh 
instead of using espresso. I, I hate it's, that too. It's not an espresso martini. No. There's no espresso in it. No. Like, it's the it, fake and not one. That, it's like a st- but when you shake it and you actually strain it, it doesn't separate beautifully with that nice mm-hmm. little froth foam that you get yeah. at the top. And it's just purely black throughout. Yep. And when it arrives at a table, there's no presentation. There's nothing sexy. And I just paid 13 bucks for this. It's yeah. crazy. Presentation is huge. And a lot of people are like, no, nah, they just want to drink. And I was like, some people do just want to drink it. But some people like, like, oh, that's a good looking cocktail. I want, I want the cocktail to move through the bar as it's going through a table and be like, what is that? Yes. Yeah. What is that? And you see it all the time. Yeah. Justin, you've got the mixed grill on your menu. It's a huge platter. It's full of meat. Mm-hmm. The thing comes out. The poor girl who's like five feet three, 90 pounds, having to carry it. She's like struggling to the way to the board. Yeah, she's trying to get a team member to hold the, board the other side of the board. 10 pounds. Yeah. Like. And, and then everyone asks, what is that? Mm-hmm. You know, they go, oh, it's the mixed grill. Yep. And then they look at it on the menu and they say, oh, man, there's like a whole platter of meat with some sides on it. Like, I need to get that. I'm sure when one mixed grill goes out, you start seeing more mixed grills go yeah, out. That's typically yeah. how it works, out rolls. Yeah, that's, that's similar to a mule, right? Yeah. You make a mule behind the bar and then everyone wants a mule. Well, same thing with the hot dogs up the street. You know, they see one hot dog going out. Besides the places like, you know, a little tiny shoe box and smells like hot dogs the whole time when you're cooking them. But you have one hot dog goes out, then nine go out. If nobody orders a hot dog, the sales are, are all, I mean, clearly lower, but. We actually used to fuel with the nightlife by putting out a couple fish bowls. We'd put yeah. three fish bowls out to the floor mm-hmm. and just distribute them evenly. Somebody in the front, somebody in the middle, somebody in the back. And yeah. sure enough, instantly, everybody would come up to You're the like, bar oh, trying shit, to get fish I need bowls. That. Yeah, I, I need, need that. that. Why are they having that? I, I don't need know. that. How much easier is it now having essentially three spaces as far as employees go? Is it, everyone interchangeable almost? It's not, like a, we, I shared for a little bit with Henry and the local. Um, it does become a little messy because then now, we, all right, if you have one, especially with COVID, if you had somebody go down with COVID, now you're putting two places at risk. Instead of it just being centered in one space, like we had, we had the shut, that local, thank God, never had to shut. The Henry, we got hit in December, right before Christmas for nine days. You know, it's, I, that's definitely scared me a little bit. Staff in general is just insanely hard to get right now. So we have to share just because of that. You know, I've I just, one of my longtime bartenders at local, she was there for six years. She just moved on and real estate has exploded since everybody's leaving the city. So she doesn't have time to bartend anymore, unfortunately. And even trying to fill that space, I can't find any, I can't even find people that have no experience that want to learn. I was going to say, when you say you can't find anybody, is it just the quality or is there just nobody I like, showing up? I like to hire people with no experience. I don't have to rewrite bad habits then. I mean, Multiple. Yes. And I look for personality forward because in my, in my experience, in my opinion, like it's not that super crazy mixologist that is a fucking workhorse and an animal and it's pretty much an asshole to everybody that's really making the money, making the difference. It's that person that's a sweetheart. They're like, they're they're taking care of, their, they're the personal person, they're doing this and if they make a mistake, they're like, ah, oh, it's fine, it's fine. You're much more likely to deal with that better than that really good mechanical bartender that's a dick. Well, I mean, these are the people in typical times that are driving a lot of the traffic for repeat guests sitting at the bars. Mm-hmm. You need to have somebody that's willing to talk, not stare at their phone or keep that's, the conversation going. These them. have definitely, and it's getting worse and worse. I do have a couple bartenders where I feel like I'm in like a high school being like, give me your phone. 
<laughs> Give me your phone. Put it in the for you, Justin. Yep. <laughs> I, you know, I go through phases. Then I, I give it up, and I'm like, whatever. And then I yep. start doing it again. But What's the biggest project that you have going forward here, maybe for the Henry? What are you looking to tackle over the course of this next year? Just getting fully open. Learning where what our groove is. That's been a, t a tackle on its own, like, project-wise. I mean, doing this mural is going to be a massive project. But uh, I think that's going to probably complete the space for the most part. And then getting the uh, the upstairs area completely finished. And that'll be an event space. Yeah. Party zone, private mm -hmm. private area for whatever. I have an uh, I have a interior decorator coming in on Friday to talk to me. And she was just like, why do you need me to do this? And I was like, because it's three guys in a bar. And I, it's, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want this space to, I want... You know, I want bridal showers. I want communions. I want things like that. I don't want it to look like it's just made for a bunch of guys going up there to watch football. You know, which we do have a projector up there. You know, hint, hint. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I've learned anything from looking at everybody that's locking up all these the not com parties, that's mm -hmm. not a paid plug. Uh, the whiter, the better. And more gold and black accents on things like that's mm -hmm. what locks you up for these bridal showers and parties and things like that. That's natural light. We just yeah. trying to. We just uh, had a meeting trying to figure out how we're gonna put the sixty-person room that we built in the new restaurant. <laughs> so, like going forward, how to book it? Well, yeah, yeah. like I want to book. I, it needs to be. It needs to be booked like three times a week at least. You know. So Justin's version one smokehouse closed as the lease came up to an end to go into a much bigger space across the street right. so now this much bigger space has its own problems is what you're saying mm -hmm. figuring out like yo let's how how are we gonna lock this stuff up right well there's more seats and there's big party room so just like you said we want yeah. to be able to do you know all these events we actually turned down a lot of events because we didn't have the space for it we've had to do that as well how was the i'm very curious how was the changeover changing locations did you see a loss in anybody i know it's just across the street because well, we I, didn't we didn't open the new one yet oh so, you haven't opened yeah, it yet we'll, we'll see it's yeah. also a, a massive change like we were in a we were in a 1200 square foot place including the kitchen mm -hmm. you know with that's at like 25 people maybe and now it's now it's 3700 square feet with that's, 100 seats that's you know, a big change and a big party room I mean, I mean, we had our we opened our second location five years ago so we've been operating out of that one while we're building this mm -hmm. one so you know we'll see we moved our phone number when we closed new rochelle we moved the phone number over to the other restaurant so we kept that business going but we'll see what happens when we open we're supposed to open in july so well, my birthday's in July, so there we go. There you go. You can book your birthday party. <laughs> there we if you go. need a party room, <laughs> then uh, <laughs> I got you. Enjoy this episode of On the Record. In each episode, we highlight businesses that are building, have built, and will continue building, highlighting the highs and the lows. We all know there's no single cheat code to successfully building a brand. Hit the follow button to see the new episodes as they're released. Every Tuesday, we release an episode of Waiting on Fries which highlights topics that you go through regularly in your bars and restaurants. Find us on social at Waiting on Fries Podcast or reach out with your great ideas.